Hello everyone, welcome back to the Final Tackle Podcast, and we've actually got a very special guest. He is Scott Hill. He played 177 games and is a Melbourne Storm original. He also played for the Hunter Mariners, the uh, Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs, and also the London Harlequins slash Broncos, who are unfortunately a now defunct club in the Super League. Thank you for joining us here today, mate. Ah, great to be here, CJ. Um, always good to share uh, storage and uh, uh, stories and, and my experience, I suppose. Yeah, no, that's fair. Well, I mean, I love having the old boys on because um, I love hearing stories and love hearing and talking career like about their career with them. So let's get started. Um, you, you made your debut for the Bulldogs in 1996 against the Bunnies. What was that like for you getting your first grade debut? Yeah, long time ago now. <laughs> but um, no, it was a great experience. I think um, I was really privileged to, uh, to be part of that Bulldog side and you know, the great Terry Lamb. Had the opportunity to play in his last five games, which oh, wow. you know, um, was a real privilege, you know, and um, a legend of, of the game and a legend of, of Canterbury Bankstown. So um, to be, you know, part of that side and to have an opportunity, uh, you know, it was, uh, uh, as I said, a privilege. No, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, one second, I just got to do a quick cough. Sorry about that. I just woke up. Um, and then you shifted over to the Super League um, when the Super League war started happening with the Hunter Mariners, um, who only had one, who only had one season. Um, what was that like for you, switching obviously from like obviously the Bulldogs to the Hunter Mariners? Was it a different um, setting and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, it was. I suppose um, I was already at the Hunter Mariners at the start of '96, okay, um, and then Super League. Um, I was part of the under twenty squad, um, okay. and um, the um, the competition obviously got cancelled that year, the first year, mm-hmm. uh, due to um, court proceedings. Um, so yeah, so then I went down to, to Sydney uh, to the Bulldogs because we were already signed with Super League, and um, I actually was put out at um, and the Bankstown competition playing under 18s out there, and. Um, and after playing a couple of years in first grade, um, in the um, in the in the bush, yep. um, that was a um, you know a sort of a big step step backwards. You know, um, I was there for about six or seven weeks, and I said to Mark Hughes, I said, if you if I'm going to keep playing here, I'm going to well go home. You know, so yep. fortunately enough, um, I was pushed up into the Canterbury under 19s, um, and then luckily enough got got seen by, by Chris Anderson and um, and moved up into first grade. But then, obviously, because Super League started the second year, mm. um, I was already signed with the Hunter Mariners. So, so, you were I went back. so you were contractually obligated to go to them, were you? Yeah, yeah. So so um, I was fortunate enough to go back. I, I left as a 19 in the 19 squad and went back in the top squad. So um, they were all new guys for me to meet, um, to be a part of. And um, look, that, that year was a... It was a great experience, and I still put it down as one of my most, most memorable years um, at the Hunter Mariners. It was such a great experience. That's awesome. Honestly, that's really awesome. Um, you then became, you could say, one of the inaugural, because you're actually num- Melbourne Storm number five. Um, you are, yeah, an inaugural member of the Melbourne Storm who have gone on to pave their way into NRL history, you know, winning the grand final the year after they entered, um, going on to win many more. Um, even with asterisks, they still won on the day. Um, what was it like to you personally to 
more or less you could say be part of um, history and groundbreaking history with that type of club and what was it like for your time at the club? Yeah, look, it was um, it was a great experience and I was number six, not number five. Oh, too. number six, sorry. <laughs> I, I, I was looking at the all-players list thing and it said yeah, it was number no, five. Was, sorry about that. No, that's okay. Um, yeah, so it was... It was um, was definitely a, a different environment to uh, after coming from sort of a town like Newcastle that's rugby league um, born and bred. But um, oh, it was sort of you know I remember first getting down there, the first games we played, we uh, they had to sort of put the rules up on the big screen for people to understand. Um, oh wow! Yeah, what was going on and different things like that. So um, it it definitely was um, yeah a very uh, a different environment. But the supporters were great. Um, from day one, we had some a great base uh, supporter base, um, and you know that's always good. And, and obviously, being successful makes makes a big difference. Um, oh, for sure, it would have been very difficult, I reckon, if your team wasn't as successful in the early few years, especially being down in an AFL-dominated state. Yeah, yeah, it was. So, um, you know, it was funny. It was people used to you used to even. Near, near when I left in 06, some people didn't even know who the Melbourne Storm was. So, oh wow! It's, um, yeah, it's, and it's a different environment. So, but look, it was just a great experience. We we had seven of us from the Hunter Mariners. I think there was about 12, 12 boys that come across from the Perth Reds, and and a few sprinkled in there like Glenn Lazarus, Tuara Nickow from from clubs elsewhere. And so, David Kearney and all that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was a um, yeah a really sort of tight knit group. Um, you know, we did everything sort of together, whether it be on, on the training paddock, on the field and, and then off the field, you know, because we didn't really um, have relationships outside of that. So um, I think that, that in a way um, helped us build a strong bond amongst the group. Um, and then, you know, we had a really good administrator in John Rebo. We had Chris Johns as a CEO and, and Chris Anderson as a coach. So um, they'd all been very successful at other clubs. and, yeah, and you more or less can't uh, go wrong there for a starting club. No, so um, they had a lot of experience and uh, had the sort of the knowledge and experience to bring a team together. So, um, yeah, and, you know, I guess the rest is history now. We, um, yeah, we were very successful early and... and um, Have more and or less the, kept the success, even if, even if it hasn't been silverware at the end of the year, still been very successful regardless, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, with that club's, you know, you feel proud of being part of building such a successful uh, organisation. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and obviously, touching on your rep time, you played Origin, a few Origins for New South Wales and you played quite a few games for Australia. Um, obviously, I got asked the, the obvious question, what's the intensity level like at State of Origin compared to, you know, club games and, and grand finals and whatnot? Yeah, I suppose it's well. It's a bit like a grand final. Um, you know, it's um, it's pretty intense. Where you got the best, the best seventeen play or thirty four plays in the world going hard at each other, um, with a lot of history and a lot of uh, emotion involved in the game. The crowds involved in it, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's funny. It's it goes goes that quick that you know. You know, when you're playing, it's sort of over before you even, you know, you're even out there, you know. So Yeah, it's, like the first siren uh, goes and then the next minute the last siren's gone. Yeah, that's it. So it's pretty intense. It's pretty um, confronting for players, but it's but it's a great experience and it's, 
um, you know, it's it's a great spectacle for the crowd, that's for sure. And and to be a part of Origin is, um, yeah, it was a great experience and, and something that, you know, that will always uh, be one of my great memories, especially winning four, especially winning three, zero, three zip in, uh, oh, in 2000. That's always a good thing for any state of Origin side. Obviously not the one that loses, but yeah, that's always a good thing. Yeah, absolutely, mate. So, um, yeah, no, that was, uh, that was a good year, 2000. Yes, yes. Unfortunately for me, it wasn't because I'm a Queensland fan. But as I said, for, for anyone who, who gets that 3-0, you know, that whitewash, it's always a great year. Um, and speaking of great years, obviously you played for Australia quite a few times. Um, what was it like to pull on the green and gold? And did you um, hold that personally in more higher regard than New South Wales? Or was it just a matter of you you sort of just took it as it came sort of thing? Um, yeah, it was a little bit like that. I, I actually, um, I played for Australia before I played Origin. So oh, wow. in, in 2000, I played the Anzac Test mm-hmm. um, in New Zealand. Um, and uh, that yeah, that was before Origin started in 2000. So yeah, I think personally playing for your country is probably um, a higher individual achievement mm-hmm. I suppose um, I guess you get through you know the other thing you get through the top New South Wales and top 17 um, Queenslanders to, to be picked in that final 17 of, of your country so um, yeah that, yeah it's definitely one of my um, individual I guess greatest achievements and and then to go on that year in 2000 to go on and win a World Cup um, yeah. wow. um, that was yeah a good a good accomplishment I should say. No, that's fair. That's fair. Um, now obviously steering a bit clear away from your career before we go back into your career. Um, what's your current beer of choice at the moment? Current beer of choice. Um, what do I like? Um, a bottle beer. Uh, I, like, I always like a pale ale. So. Okay. Um, I'm trying to so think. Like wild yak or. Yeah, well, Jack's probably it's probably a good a good version of um, yeah what I sort of enjoy. Um, but I also but I also like um, like great great Northern's a great refreshing uh, yeah. lager. So yeah, it's uh, it's good after a hard day's work. That's for sure. Oh, I can, I can imagine. Um, I can imagine. And speaking of work, what are you doing these days with yourself? Yeah, no, I've um, four years ago I bought a self storage and removals business up at Karoi, which is sort of um, twenty minutes west of Noosa. Okay. So I've Obviously been in that business. In yeah, absolutely. Wow. Based in Queensland, nice and healthy and safe at the moment. <laughs> yep. Um, yep, that's paramount. So, yeah. So, um, so I've been enjoying that. I've built the business up in that that area, and I'm sort of um, in the process of looking at um, of putting it on the market and selling the business. Um, okay. And what 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 are you thinking of going into after the business is sold? Yeah, I'm just in, at that stage, I guess, um, in my life where I'm sort of looking at really digging my hands into things that I enjoy um, and pretty passionate about. Look, I'm sort of looking. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, I, I genuinely miss the game a lot. Um, I probably retired early at 31, and so it's about 12 years since I retired, but I'm uh, sort of. Do you think you could um, be a bit longer, like maybe 33, 34? Yeah, I could have stayed in London for another three years, but I just was at that stage where I, I just about had enough, you know. And yeah. in hindsight, yeah, you probably wish you had have gone a little bit longer. And um, Craig Bellamy has a, has a great saying, says to all these old players, he says, you're a long time retired, you know. And 
Um, yeah, it's something that I probably didn't listen to as much as what I probably should have. But um, now I'm at that stage where I'd like to, you know, since retiring, I've also, after, you know, before I um, I bought the removals business, I've published a couple of books. Um, yeah, and interview- by the way, to anyone who's listening, I'll pop the links to those where they can buy them in the description of this episode. Yeah, so we, we sort of um, I interviewed all the top coaches and the captains around Australia and different sports about, you know, managed team, managing people, um, leadership and, um, yeah, very much they're really good resources through business and so forth. But, um, yeah, it was a great experience to, to be able to sit down with all those coaches and captains and, and get their insights on, you know, what's made them successful, what's made the teams that they work with successful and, and what are the what are the frameworks that work, you know? So for me, it's, um, again, I was very fortunate of being part of, a really good team culture um, system framework that we used at the Melbourne Storm um, that virtually has carried that club to where they are now. And, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's, it's very successful. Um, and that's an area that I'm pretty passionate about. So um, you'd like to you know, get into the sort of um, coaching type aspect or? Yeah, sort of coaching leadership and, um, you know, you know, alignment, getting teams to work in from a behavioral framework. Um, that worked well for them. Um, yeah, you couldn't say that I, I come from a pretty pretty successful framework that's, uh, that's been Definitely. pretty good for 20 years at the Storm. Um, but I also, I miss the skill development um, of rugby league as well, I suppose. It's especially with the, the, new, the new rule changes. Um, it brings um, halves into the game a lot more. Um, and it's a real shame, I think, the last sort of 15 sort of years. More or less since you retired, all, you know, the NRL sort of thing. Yeah, the game's become very, a very structured um, framework. (laughs) I I would have called it a very structured POS in my opinion. I I switched to um, watching Super League the last few years because it's just been, the NRL's been too, as you said, structured and stop start and I'm all for the free flowing and so when they reintroduced the six again and, you know, all that sort of stuff, mate, as I'm sure from a fan point, as, as you can, you can imagine, it's, it's amazing. Sorry, continue. Yeah, yeah, it does. It, it's, um, well, it just opens up so many more opportunities for halves to take advantage of, um, you know, fatigue comes into the game a lot, you know, um, that extra, the extra tackle, which in a way is it's, it's what you call the compound effect. You play the ball quick one tackle, you play the ball quick again. Sometimes you get another six if you do it again, you know. So the opportunity to have the ball a lot more uh, in your hands, but also for young halves to take advantage of tied forwards, you know, and, and defensive lines being fatigued. Um, there's a lot more thinking that comes into the game. Mm. And um, I guess, yeah, I wish these rules were around when I was playing because I suppose that was one of the strengths of my game was, you know, having an, an advantage of reading what's in front, yeah. um, defensive lines, and and then being able to take advantage when those cues present themselves. So, um, yeah. So so there's a, there's a few areas that I, I sort of I'm sort of I'm look at tapping back into the NRL at some capacity. Um, what that is, I'm not quite sure. I suppose there's a number of areas where I can um, assist clubs, um, and that may be. Yeah, whether it be from a leadership framework um, that way, but also direct skill development, um, yep. whether it be at you know in the development areas or even with the top the top teams. Um, yeah, so I'm sort of 
uh, yeah, as I, as I mentioned, really at one of that stage in my life where I want to start, you know, you know, working and 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 doing things I'm really passionate about. So um, yeah, no, that, that's 100. Yeah, you know, the space goes, and um, I get my business sold. Um, anything's possible. Yeah, well, um, as like I'm gonna edit this bit out that I'm saying now, but as I said, I'm I'm putting the message out to people as I told you I would. Um, I'm trying my as in I'm just asking you know do they know if yeah. either positions are coming up or obviously because COVID there wouldn't be many at the moment yes. so I said you know do you, like I've asked um actually some people who I've who I've messaged have said they know you quite well you know such as Brett White, Feeney, all them yeah. you know uh, Feeney actually said um when COVID is over he 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 thinks there should be a few jobs going up in Queensland way. Um, yeah, so yeah. you know he said he'll he'll text you directly um whenever he finds out stuff for that. So, but as I said, I'll try my best. Um, obviously, no promises, but anything I can do to help, I'll try my best to anyway. No, I really appreciate it, mate. Really do. No, that's all good. Um, now, uh, th that click was to help with the segue. <laughs> um, now, let's get to some more fun ones. How do you like your steak cooked? Steak, I'm a medium rare guy. I like okay. it with a little bit, blood, little bit of blood coming out of it. Yep. Um, but not too yeah, mowing. <laughs> no, no, no. It's... Um, it's uh only way to eat a steak, I think, but you know, yeah. others think differently, but um, that's my favourite. Oh, it's my favourite too. Mick Crocker, as I, sp I spoke to him a, f a few weeks ago, loves a blue, and I'm like, that's more or less mooing. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, yeah, well, it's pretty close. I'm, I'm a little bit more cooked than blue, but um, it's pretty mm -hmm. close. Yep. Um, what's your current um, movie or show that you're like addicted to or binging sort of thing at the moment on Netflix during this COVID BS? Uh -huh. I've um well I've watched it out I I watch um have you seen um Ricky Gervais it's the afterlife Yes I love that show so much Which is good I've watched it all that but then I went from that into Derek Yes yes I love Derek one. as well <laughs> They're my they're, they're my two favorites Ricky Gervais is just a yes. classic and Oh they're, mate, um, talking right they're, up my alley <laughs> they're, they're, they're classic classic shows I um Oh, I just, yeah, I just laugh. Um, yeah, so Derek and Kev and the boys. So, um, oh, I love yeah. it. I love it so much. My, I'm not going to spoil anything to anyone who's not seen the shows, but definitely watch the one of the first few scenes of Afterlife in season one where he literally mouths back at a ginger kid. Scott, you'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, uh, walking past the school, the school gate. Yeah. yeah. Oh, such a good, such a good show. Um, Season three has been announced. I don't know exactly when it's going to drop, but they said it should be next year sometime. So I'm really keen for that. Um, wow, that's awesome! If you could have a superpower, what would it be and why? A superpower. Um. <laughs> I'm just trying to think. It doesn't have to I'd be like, flying. I reckon it could be. I reckon being invisible would be good. Yeah, that'd be pretty good. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So go ahead. Yeah, uh, it gives you a good opportunity to go to places where probably people don't think that you're there. Yeah, and you could be a fly on the wall, sort of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, now this is actually a question from one of our podcast sponsors, Sky Spark Electrical. So I've got to do a little quick plug for them. Sure. Um, if you, if anyone needs any electrical work on the Central Coast, all the way up to Hornsby Way and um, Nelson's Bay. Go through Sky Spark Electrical. They'll give you the best prices. They ask, "What advice would you give to your younger self to go through life, knowing what you know now?" 
Yeah. Um, be honest with yourself. Um, I think more than anything, if you, you're in control of what you do. Um, and I think um, um, the biggest thing in life is, um, you know, whether you have ups and downs and so forth, you are in control of what you do. Um, so more than anything, um, be true to yourself. Um, don't cut corners for other people. Um, and, and know that um, in a way you are in control of your destiny. Um, don't, don't expect others to help you. Um, work hard and, um, and trust yourself. Okay, wow. That's really, that's really good advice in general. So, wow. Um, it, did you have any pre-game routines or night before rituals? And if not, who do you remember possibly having the weirdest one that you've ever seen during your time in the NRL and Super League? It's funny. I don't really remember blokes that had it, but um, I suppose, did I have any routines? Not really. I was, one thing I did do, I was never, um, I was never one that went into the sheds early. Mm-hmm. I was probably, if anything, I was always in the sheds late. I just, <laughs> just sit out and watch the game that was going on before. And then I, I just go in, get strapped and go straight out of warm up. I wasn't probably someone that sat down and thought about things too much. So my, be a bit more relaxed, more so you could say. Yeah, yeah, relaxed and I, you know, the more I thought, probably the worse I was. So I did all my thinking and, and planning during the week at training. That's when that was for. Um, I should just turn up, get strapped, and then, um, yeah, yeah, get straight out. Yeah. yeah, that's it. So that was probably um, something that the strappers used to hate because I used to, I used to get both shoulders strapped and ankles and everything, and I'd be in there just before warm up. They'd be <laughs> having to rush me to get out. So, ah. uh, yeah, but uh, but blokes, I but blokes that. Um, that did anything different? Yeah, I'm not sure. You probably find these blokes that put a certain sock on before the other. Um, yep. I was never really a, a superstitious person, so I guess I didn't recognise a lot of that um, with others. So. Yeah, no, that's fair. You, more or less, you you took care of your own individual prep that and was yeah. more focused on yep. that than anything. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So um, yeah, can't help you with any of those. No, that's totally fair. But there are some doozies that I've heard from some. You know, Mick Crocker used to have a spew at, as every time the two-minute bell went. Um, was it David Clemmer has to be the last one off the bus? All that sort of stuff. It's really interesting to find out, and it really helps me. And I hope it really helps convey to the listeners and viewers that players are literally just—they're just dudes. That they're just guys going about their job, going about their work. Um, now. Um, what did you find were the biggest differences between the NRL and the Super League when you went over to the Harlequins? Yeah, I think I think defence was a was a uh, was probably one of the main differences. The NRL defence was a lot tighter, mm-hmm. a lot more controlled, and um, yeah, uh, defensive patterns were a lot better. Um, I think a lot of that, but too that the Super League play the balls were a lot quicker. Mm, definitely, um, they are. Yeah, yeah there was there was definitely. You weren't allowed to wrestle or, or tighten around the ruck as much in in Super League as what they we did in the NRL, um, and I think more than anything, the other the other level is in Super League. You probably got your top three or four teams. Yeah, um, and the rest are sort of struggling. pretty dominant, and those three or four teams would probably they'd be probably the bottom section of the NRL or the yeah. mid to bottom section. Yeah, um, well, whereas you know in the you know, and, and then, so so in Super League, you, the, your top teams, they can play at 60 to 70% and still win um, most weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Whereas in the NRL, you don't play it near 90 or 100%, you're going to get beat. So the consistency of um, uh, high-level football is probably the difference. Um, you know, but um, yeah, it's uh, I, I enjoyed it over there and it was a good good experience. And um, yeah, it was good sharing my, my experience with some of the players that I played with at London. And um, yeah, it was um, yeah, a memorable time. That's awesome. Um, and one more topic before we get into the do you have any advice for kids sort of thing is which teams in your opinion while you were playing were the toughest for you to go up against mentally and physically? Yeah, I think um, Brisbane was always a side that was um, you had to be up on your game and it's fortunate enough at the Storm we were always up against Brisbane. Our, mm-hmm. our record against against Brisbane was uh, is very good and still is very good, you know, so they're always um, a challenge, um, you know, the top sides. I, I think physically, when you went to Auckland, you always knew you were going to come home pretty sore. Um, they always had a big mobile pack and um, it was always wet and slippery sort of conditions over in Auckland. So that was always um, that was always one team I always used to remember that you knew that when you were coming back from Auckland, um, you'd be pretty sore the next day. So... Um, they're always a challenge, you know, those probably those two sides. Um, yeah, coming up against sides with top players like, you know, Andrew Johns and the, the Knights are always a tough competition. Um, you know, it's um, when you got they got little playmakers, it was always a challenge, um, you know, to play against those sides. So um, they're probably the ones that stand out the most to me. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Honestly, that's fair enough. And that's all I've got um, listed, except for obviously one last one. Um, what advice would you give to any kids or or teenagers or whatever who are hoping to make it in the first grade, you know, big leagues one day? Yeah, it's always, um, as I said before, is um, be true to yourself, work hard within yourself. Um, you know, success comes from, yeah, you're obviously talented to be at the, in that space, but talent won't get you to the NRL. Oh, um, exactly. I've always, I'm a firm believer in hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, hard work, um, continual improvement, always don't be satisfied with a victory. Um, there's always areas of improvement. Um, you know, I think it's it all comes down to that Melbourne Storm mentality that we had. It was, it was hard work, um, determination to, to be better tomorrow, you know, and, right. you know, be very learn to be very more process driven especially if you're coming through at a younger age don't be worried about if you win or you lose it's all about what you've done in your position mm-hmm. how you can be if better you've next good week. individual game how yeah. you can improve your individual game yep absolutely always um, have some KPIs and some some areas where, you, where it, that can be measured um, and then slowly just raise your your, your, your level of um, um, commitment to it you know so but more than anything um, hard work will get you there and commitment you know you, everyone's going to have that, that persistence as well and, and resilience you're going to have in life you're going to lose more than what you win and that's mm. fact um, but it's how you deal with those losses um, for me I don't, I don't see losses as a negative I see it as a, an opportunity um, yeah an opportunity to learn from sort of thing yeah learn from and, and better yourself so if you have that mentality um, you'll do well in rugby league you'll do well in anything so um, yeah That's my little bit of advice.